check that out, that works. Got to turn the buttons on. How many of you like technical, technology savvy, technologically savvy? That's what I was looking for. Apparently not me. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Asbury Church. We're so glad to have you here. Again, that was like an epic introduction. Pastor Dwayne did an amazing job putting the bumper video together, so give it up for Pastor Dwayne, who does amazing. Yeah. Now, now it's going to be like, is, is the message going to be as epic as the bumper video? That's what we're just trying to figure out. But hey, we are beginning a new series called Awakening Faith. Um, the, the idea of awakening faith is this idea of, uh, of a new day, a new dawn, a new season. Uh, how many know that Easter is a big deal for followers of Jesus? That, like for us, like that, that first day of the week was a new day. It, it was a new dawn and that God began to do something new. And I'm convinced God wants to do new things in our midst. As we approach the Easter season, I believe that, that as what we're going to do is we're, we're going to reflect on the invitation that God gives us to become fully alive and experience the restoration and transformation that Jesus offers. And what we're going to do is from now until Easter, we're going to be reflecting on the gospel of John. And so maybe, you know, you're, you're, you don't have a place where you're reading in the Bible right now. I would encourage you between now and Easter to take time to read through the gospel of John. It's an amazing uh, book. But, but the, the big idea of John, because John has this really important idea, because John wants to awaken faith in people, and he says this in John 20, 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That God wants to bring life to you and me. And I love this verse because it says that it's about believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that He is the one promised by God and given the authority to rescue and redeem a world broken by sin. But not only that, but by believing we may have life in His name. A quality of life that not even death can overcome. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this, Without faith... It is impossible to please God. How many of you are into doing impossible things? Right? You're like, how about let's, let's do something. Okay, so it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like if you're in the place where you're like, you know, I want to honor God. I want to please Him with my life. Then it requires faith. And it goes on to say this, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is or that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That God responds to you and me as we begin to lean into Him through faith. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of awakening faith. And we're going to look at through invitation, expectation, conversation, contemplation, and exaltation. I figure I'd make all Asians because, hey, that just sounds fun. But today as we begin, we're going to talk about seeing heaven open. Now, how many of you like openings? Like grand opening, you'll, you'll have a new store and it'll all be about a grand opening because like openings are important. Openings provide an opportunity for you to come in and see and experience and find out what's going on. For plays, there's opening nights. And I know we got different ones that have been working on a play and an opening night is coming where, where people come to watch with expectation to, to see what's going on. We love opening gifts. How many of you still love opening gifts, even though you're an old person? 
Some of like Dwayne, Dwayne's almost 50. And uh, he still loves opening gifts, right? Uh, it, it's funny, you can watch on the internet, they have all these unboxing videos as people open boxes to find out what's, what's going on inside. And you can watch like 20 minutes of some of the most boring footage ever as people unbox a vacuum. Oh, it's a great unboxing. But people love the unboxing, the opening. Then there's also open doors. Like when, when you can go through an open door and all of a sudden you can experience, some, experience something new and, and exciting. Well, this is what I believe. I believe that following Jesus enables us to experience an opening that, that, that is phenomenal, that changes really the way we live and experience life. And so my big idea this morning is simply this, that following Jesus enables us to see heaven open. I love this. To see heaven open. So we're going to look in John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 43 to 51. But as we get there, the, the way John has kind of set up this place or, or set up the text we're about to read, he has begun his gospel with a dramatic and cosmic prologue. He has the words, in the beginning, God. Sorry, in the beginning was the Word. Sorry, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I love it because it's the language of creation, the language of ordering. It's something cosmic. Well, it gets down a little bit further, and it says this, that, that this Word, in regard to the Word, it says, in Him was life. In Him was life. I don't know about you, but I kind of like life. How many of you like life? Like it's one of those things like, like to, to, to know life, like in him was life, the ability to make alive. And it says that life was the light of all mankind. And then he says the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. That the light and the life that he brings is a life that not even darkness can quench. I don't know about you, but that's something that I hunger for and I long for. How many know that our days can be kind of dark at times? And we can be in situations and circumstances where everything just seems so, so dark and, and we can wonder, how do we get out of this place? Yet the reality is, is there's a life that Jesus has for us that not even darkness can overcome. You see, the life of Jesus is undiminished by the darkness in the world around us. And then it goes on to say, as we talked a little bit earlier, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us, so we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I just want to say again and again and again, God loves us. And he comes to us full of grace and truth. Well, after John starts this whole prologue that has these amazing ideas in it, he begins to shift the focus. And the focus turns into finding Jesus. And so I want to read our text, which is John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. And it says this, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. And, and, and Philip 
found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And I love the response. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, just, just imagine this, all right? We, we're doing this this morning in our first service. Imagine if Philip showed up and said, We have found the Messiah, the one Moses wrote about, the one prophesied about, you know, Jesus of Dryden. Dryden. Can anything good come out of Dryden? Some of you are like going, I live there. Wait. I'm like, that's my zip code. Right? But, but, but it, sounds, it sounds Jesus of Dryden, some like small little place. Really, you, this, this is where he's coming from? Nazareth? Can anything really good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw, that Nathan, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God and you are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe, because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly, I tell you. Now, what's interesting about this, before he was speaking just to Nathaniel, but all of a sudden, he, he changes his tense. Instead of just talking about to one you, he talks to all of us yous, to all his followers, he says, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You will see heaven open. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, in these few, few moments we have just to look into it, God, would you speak to our hearts and challenge us? Lord, would you awaken faith in us that we might see heaven open? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to note three quick things about the text. The first is this. We're all searching for something. We're all searching for something. In this passage, in the one before, the focus is on finding. Have you ever lost something? How many have lost something even today, right? Like, you're just like, I'm searching, I'm looking for it. You know, sometimes you lose your keys, sometimes you lose your kids. How many have, left, how many have lost your kids at times? Right, good, all the, all the proud ones, yeah, but they came back. And that was a sad day. No, I'm just kidding. It was a sad one, you know. But, but you know, we, we, we lose things and then we start looking for them. And, and how many know that, that even, even in the best moments, in the best environment, finding things is not always easy? Okay? So this morning, so we, we've been talking, you know, we're doing all these fun things. You know, we're putting communication cards back on the seat. 
We had something else we were going to add into the service this morning, something we used to do, which is receiving the offering, where we pass the baskets around. Okay, so just so you know, we didn't do it this morning. We'll do it next week. We'll start next week. Y'all ready for that one? Come back next week. We're going to receive an offering in the service with baskets. Are you excited? Come on now. Come on. Don't shout me down. I'll say, anyways. So we're like, we're going to do this in Dryden, right? And so, so, so again, there's been like, We've been shut down, you know, over in drive, we've been renovating things, and so we're getting ready for the service, you know, it's a few minutes beforehand, Pastor Dwayne comes up to me and goes, uh, Dave, do you know where the offering plates are? Because <laughs> how many know one of the crucial things for receiving an offering is the offering plate, right? So I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, we need those, let me go look. And so if you've been at the Dryden campus, how many know at the Dryden campus, there's lots of places to look? And so I went way in the back 40, and I'm looking in all sorts of places, nothing. And I'm like going, okay, and I'm checking here and there. I'm like, I, I can't find them anywhere. And so I'm like, Dwayne, I can't find them. And he's like, maybe they're in the middle units where we have some office stuff. Maybe it's in there. I'm like, great idea. So I go to the place where there's a key. And so I go into the room with the key. And I grab the key, and I'm like, okay, here it is. And I get the key, and I run over to the, you know, over to the other door to unlock it. And I put the key in, and then won't turn. I'm like, oh, crud. I got the wrong key. And I'm like, okay, I'll go back. And so I go back into the room where the key is, and put the key back, and I pull the key thing down. I'm like, okay, and I grab another key, and I put the thing back up. And I'm like, okay, run over to the other room run over to the other room, open the door, run through the building, looking in all the different rooms, places, no <laughs> offering plates anywhere. And I'm like, going, oh my goodness, we're going to fail as a church. We're going to receive an offering with no plates. How is that even possible? Like, oh. So anyway, so I go back in, and I'm, as I'm walking back through the coffee bar, I tell Rachel, I'm like, Rachel, can't find the plates, right? Because how many know the, if, if you need to find something, you just start with asking the one who knows everything. Right. Okay, can I tell you the paradox? I'm going to finish my story in a moment, but let me tell you the paradox. The paradox is this, especially for those, how many of you are the people you know where everything is and, and you're like, I would say, all right, good. Mary Flack, she's one of them, right? Mom, where is this, right? So, so the, the interesting thing, so Rachel in, in my world is the one who finds, like she, she's organized and has everything. And I'll be like, dude, I got to find something and I'll just look around and then she'll say this. Why didn't you ask me? I'm like, okay. I should have asked you first instead of looking, right? I should have done that. And then there's the other times I'm like going, you know what? I'll just start by asking Rachel. I'm like, Rachel. I'm like, hey, do you know where this is? And she's like, well, why don't you go look? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not understanding this. I'm a man. I'm very simple, right? Anyways, okay, so I go to Rachel, right? And I'm like, honey, I'm like, do you know where the things are? And she's like, hey, maybe, maybe they're in the closet there where the key is. And so I go in, and as I'm putting the key back, 18 inches <laughs> below the key are offering plates. <laughs> okay? Now, how many know I'm special and I've got issues? How many know I'm not so different than you? Because how many know that finding things, even in ideal conditions, isn't always easy? 
but then add into add the other element of darkness. And Jesus says, the light shines in the darkness. Do you know how hard it is to find things in darkness? And it's kind of interesting because John is writing about this world that we all inhabit, that there's this thing that's going on where we're all looking for something. We recognize that there's something that's missing. That, that something along the way has gotten lost. Like, like there's a part that, that in, our, in our searching as, as, as people, that there's an aspect sometimes that we're, we're looking for innocence again. Do you remember when you lost innocence? Do, do you remember that moment where all of a sudden you could never see the world the same way again? It was no longer through the eyes of a child. It was through the eyes of brokenness. Like, how do we find innocence again? You know, it's so fun as a church because we watch all these kids running around and we're just like going, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be great just to be able to be at least innocent again so I didn't have to deal with the worries and the weight of the world that I'm in? Sometimes we're looking for significance. We just, we want to matter. We want our lives to matter. And, and somewhere along the way, it's just like, I, I, I'm not finding it. I, I'm searching for it. You know, m- maybe it's over here, or maybe, maybe if I do this, then I'll find the, the meaning I'm looking for. Yet, oh, it's, I can't find it. Sometimes we're looking for acceptance. Somewhere along the way, it's just kind of like we began to feel like, you know what, maybe we're not wanted. Maybe it's about belonging. We're looking for something. Maybe it's peace. Maybe we're just like, you know, it's, it's like going, you know what, it, it, there's all this tension, there's all this noise, there's all this movement, there's all this, all this chaos, and you know what, I just, I just need some peace. And you can lock yourself in a bathroom, let the kids run around out there, and you're like going, I just need peace. And you're trying to find it. You know, in our world, we're all searching for something. And we, see, and we search for these lost things in so many different places. We'll try education, maybe some experiences, relationships, maybe money, job, maybe, maybe it's some adventure we go on. Maybe then I'll find what's missing. We live in this dark world. And in the best of circumstances, maybe we could locate it, maybe, but oh my goodness, in the darkness we struggle. I'm a child of the 80s. There's a song that came out in the 80s that resonated with so many people. You still hear it on the radio every once in a while. It's by you too, who just says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And that's the condition of humanity. We're all searching for something. You look at the brokenness of the world around us. You you, you see the the stuff that causes our hearts to get concerned and, and, and stuff that we resist and we push against. And we're like, why would people be so foolish and stupid, you know, from our perspective, yet deep inside what's driving them 
is a search. They're looking for something. My question for you this morning is this. What are you searching for? What is it that you're searching for? What, what, what is the thing that's orienting your actions? What, what is it that, that, that's, that, that, that's moving you? What, what is it that, that you're, you're frustrated about? What are you searching for? Because we're all searching for something. And sometimes we can even get to the place in the darkness where we just we give up. And just say, you know what, maybe it's just not even worth searching for anything. There's a deep question that we all, these are the deep questions we all deal with. And there is something we're searching for. From that we find out that our frustrations and disappointments can leave us jaded. Searching without finding. Searching without finding. Trying this, that, and the other. That There's a frustration that we can feel. And, and again, I like the frustration defined as the gap between our expectation and our experience. The world tells us, well, if you do this, this is how you're going to find meaning. This is how you're going to find belonging. This is how you're going to find acceptance. If you just do these things and, and people pursue them to the nth degree and they get there and they find out, you know what? I, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And there's that frustration and, there's, and, and not only frustration, but there can be disappointments. And it manifests itself, you know, I, I don't know about you, but this is me. Like, when I look at the world around me, the world that I get to live in, do you notice how many frustrated and angry people there are? Even when they're, like, people are getting everything they think they want, and there's just this, not finding it. What ends up happening is there's a skepticism a cynicism that begins to descend upon the heart. We begin to think, since I haven't found it, can it really be found? It's interesting how many people are becoming more and more cynical and skeptical about the world around them. People skeptical of the church. Cynical about government. Looking at money, who needs money? Technology. I can go through so many different things. It's just there's, there's this, we have all this stuff and we're like, but I'm still searching. It's kind of where Nathaniel's at. The guy we read about in our story, Nathaniel, he's... You know, Philip, he encounters Jesus and then finds Nathaniel to tell him that he found the Messiah, that he found the one that, that they were waiting for, the one who would make everything right again. And he responds with skepticism and suspicion. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, another question I think that you, you need to wrestle with 
is not, not only the question, what are you searching for? But how have the frustrations and disappointments of life left you jaded? Because many times we can't lean into even the things of God because there's this, there's this underlying skepticism and cynicism. And part of it is because when you get hurt, when, you're, when your hope is disappointed... The weight of that disappointment is so great that sometimes it becomes easier to stop searching than to have to deal with being let down again. There are many people that go through life just feeling like they've been let down and they don't want to deal with it again. And Nathaniel's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You're saying this is where the hope is. You're saying the Messiah has come. Yeah, but can anything good really come from there? Yet as a skeptic, he ends up doing something that I think is so important. Philip invites him to come and see, and so Nathaniel says, okay, fine. How many know with with skeptical people, the proof is in the pudding? Like, I have to see it. I have to experience it. More than just what someone else says. i got to experience it for myself. To evaluate whether it is the real thing or not. So we see in our story, we're all searching for something. Disappointments and frustrations can leave us jaded. Yet as we get to the heart of the story, we find out that Jesus invites us to experience something greater. And so as Nathaniel is going with Philip and as they're walking towards Jesus, Jesus said, hey, see this guy coming? Here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no guile. You, you, see, you see this guy here? Dude, he's a straight shooter. He, he's, he's not into deception. He, he's not easily fooled. I know this one. And, 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 and when Jesus said it, there was something spot on about it because Nathaniel responds by saying, how do you know me? How do you know me? Nathaniel's a little taken aback. Okay, I'm just walking up. How do you, how do you know that's who I am? Because, because that, that was who he was. H- how do you know me? And, and within this idea, I think there's this important truth you and I need to understand. And that's this. Jesus knew something about Nathaniel before Nathaniel knew anything about Jesus. And it's no different for you. Jesus knows you before you know anything about Jesus. And Jesus' response to his question of how do you know me, Jesus said something. That, that when, when he said it to Nathaniel, it resounded so deeply in his heart that he makes an incredible statement that's right at the beginning of John. 
where, where he ends up saying, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. What would turn the skeptic? What would turn him? Is what Jesus said next. What he said just before this. When Nathaniel says, how do you know who I am? And Jesus says, I saw you. While you were under the fig tree, before Philip called you, I saw you. There was something about that moment under the fig tree. I imagine that while he was in that place, Nathaniel was having a struggle with God. I think under that fig tree, he was dealing with his disappointments and frustrations. I, I imagine he's in that place because he's gone through all these different things and, and he's under that fig tree and, and he's experienced the hurt. There's something he's searching for. He's not finding it. He's tried different things and there's that disappointment and frustration and that thing that arises that says, God, where are you? Don't you see me? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see my hurts, my frustrations? God, where are you? I can just imagine the moment as Nathaniel, he is wrestling this stuff out with God. As he's been there by himself going, you know, God, where are you in all of this? And then having to walk away from that place without hearing an answer. Could you just imagine it? And then someone walks up to you and says, we found the Messiah, the one that God promised. Yeah, God doesn't hear. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Yet Jesus says to Nathaniel as he is in that place, he goes, I saw you. I saw you while you were under the fig tree. Before Philip ever called you, I know that moment that you are wrestling with. I know what you're searching for. I see you. I think this is so powerful because in the midst of our frustrations, in the midst of our searching, in the midst of our wonderings, and we can cry out, God, where are you? God, don't you see? God, don't you care? That Jesus says, I see you. I see you under your fig tree. I see your disappointments. And I've come. And that's what Jesus has come to do for you and for me. You see, he invites us to experience something greater than our hurts and our disappointments. And he says, you believe because you heard me say this. And then he, again, he shifts it and he says, okay, but I want to tell you, if you follow me, you will see heaven opened. 
You'll see heaven open. You, you'll, you'll see God begin to do things in, in and through my life that's going to affect your life that is going to utterly amaze and astound you. If you follow me, you will see and you will experience far more than this. See, God is not indifferent to our lives and our brokenness. But He is working to rescue and restore what sin has ruined. And He does it through Jesus. And the invitation for us is to begin to believe in the place that we are, in the midst of all our hurt and our brokenness, even in the place of darkness where we choose to begin to believe. Because when we begin to believe, when we begin to follow Jesus... He enables us to see heaven open. That's my prayer for you. That you would see heaven open. That, that, that there would be a faith that arises that, that, yeah, there is darkness and there is noise and there is frustration and disappointment. There's, this is the world we live in. And there's that part of us that is longing, searching for something. For Nathaniel, he ultimately found it in Jesus. And I'm convinced that's where we find what we're truly searching for. You see, we all long to see heaven open. We long for God to touch our hearts and our lives, our situations, our families, our world. And if we're going to see heaven open, I believe that we need faith to be awakened in us. We need to say, okay, God, would you just help me begin to believe? I'm, I'm going to begin to believe that you really are the one that God sent, the one God promised, the one who can change everything. And if we're going to have faith, I think there's some things we need to do. And so if you have, want to write down, for those who are writing down or taking notes, you're going to want to take this down. This is good. If faith, I'm going to use as an acronym about what faith looks like. Number one, it's going to, it's going to number one, involve follow Him. Faith means to follow Him. That is to believe that He is the one who rescues and restores. That He is the one who is the, the answer to the thing that our hearts long for. That when we begin to follow Him, we get to see heaven open. You know what the irony of the story is? I don't know if you caught it, because I kind of skimmed past it really fast. Broken humanity is not the only one searching in the story. Broken humanity isn't the only one that's searching. It says this, finding Philip, that Jesus was searching for a Philip. Because he knew if he could reach a Philip, he could reach a Nathaniel. That Jesus is searching. Did you know that God is looking for hearts that will be committed to Him? That God is looking for men and women who will say, you know what? He is the one whom I am going to follow. You see, we have to make a decision to walk with Jesus, to follow Him. To believe that He is the one. But not only that, we need to, secondly, align with Him. 
And aligning with Him is to beginning to live according to His teachings and His example. And with that, the way faith is manifest, it's believing that He knows best. Do you believe that God knows best, that Jesus knows best? To bring our lives in alignment. I, I got to tell you, I wrestle with this at times because there are times that I think, God, I don't know what you're talking about in this stuff. Love your enemy? God, I would rather not deal with them. I, I would rather, you know what? You are a jerk to me, I'm writing you off. That's how I like it. You know what? Serves me well. I don't have to deal with their stuff, right? Like their junk, I don't... If, if This is the good stuff. It's the best way. And then Jesus goes, well, actually, let me tell you the best way. I want you to love your enemy. I want you to pray for them. I want you to serve them. Oh, Jesus, wait. Are you kidding me? Hey, did you know Jesus washed his disciples' feet? Did you know that included Judas Iscariot? And Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. And he still washed his feet. How many of us would have been tempted to say, next? I know what you're going to do to me. Don't put your stinky feet in my water. I ain't touching them. But Jesus says, I want you to love them. Okay, well, I align with him then. Does he know best? Does he know best? Did you know that in John, the demonstration of our faith in God and our love for God is found in our obedience? Obedience for John is the demonstration of our love and our faith for Jesus. So Jesus will say this, if you love me, keep my commands. The way we demonstrate our love for God is by following Him and aligning our lives with His, with the teachings and example of Jesus. If you want to see heaven open, we have to begin to live by faith. We follow Him, we align with Him, the eye as we begin to interact with Him, believing that, you know what, our Savior is alive and He wants to connect with us. That in our interactions with Him, we, we pour out our hearts to Him. We, we let Him know how our day's going. We let Him know our frustrations, our disappointments. And, and we just, we recognize we serve a living Savior and I can pour my heart out to Him. But also, taking time to listen so He can speak to me. I want you to know in the midst of your darkness and in the midst of your, of your frustration, there's something God wants to speak to you. There's a word he wants to bring to your life in your chaos. Do you know how God creates beauty out of chaos? There's a couple ways he does it. One of the ways he does it is he speaks. He speaks, so God said, let there be light. And there was light. If we can allow God to speak to our hearts, you'd be surprised how He begins to help order the chaos and make something good. 
It's about us listening to Him. Fourthly, this is the T of faith. We have to trust Him. We need to believe that He is working for our good. Even in the silence. Even in the darkness. As I said, in a few weeks is Easter. Easter is this magnificent time where we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior from the dead. But guys, before He raises from the dead, guess what He had to do? He had to die. And it wasn't just, you know, like, you know, He he died in His sleep. Like, He was spit on. He was hit. He was was whipped. They they ran nails through his, His arms and His feet. They stripped him naked. And then, when it's supposed to be the brightest time of the day, everything goes dark. And sometimes it's when everything goes dark, when it's supposed to be the brightest, we say, God, you must stop working. God, where are you in all of this? God says, I'm not done. Trust me. And faith learns to trust God. Because even if there's darkness, He'll work it for good. And we have to believe that. Last thing, we have to put our hope in Him. We have to believe that He is leading us to something greater, to something better. See, I'm convinced God wants heaven to open above us. We're all searching for something. What are you searching for? We all wrestle with our disappointments and our frustrations. How have those jaded your your faith, your perspective? I think it's time to be honest about it. See, Jesus sees and He knows and He still cares about you and says, listen, I still want you to experience heavens opened above you. I want you to see the excitement and the joy and the life and the purpose and the goodness that I have for you. You see, Jesus continues to invite us to something greater. May we come to Him with faith. My prayer. I, I, I am praying and I am believing that God will do things in your days and in your moments. I know some of you, you are in the midst of some struggles and trials and darkness. And you are searching. The answer ultimately is found in and through Jesus. Allow Him to be your hope, to be your peace. And He will bring you to life. I've written these things that you might know Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in His all my Nathaniels out there.
He sees. He knows. He loves you. And he invites you to believe. Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, faith is such difficult, such a difficult and dangerous proposition for God in believing. We open ourselves to be hurt again. Yet, Lord, it is through faith that we find life. And so, God, we ask for your grace and your goodness to meet us. How many of you this morning, just while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many would just say, hey, I understand Nathaniel. Maybe you're dealing with some disappointments and frustrations. Maybe you've been searching for things and, and it's just like, it seems as though the heavens are silent. And you would just say this morning, Jesus, I need you to meet me in this space, in this moment. If that's you, would you raise your hand because I want to pray with you. See those hands. That one, that one, that one, that one. Lord Jesus, these are your children whom you love so much. God, you see the brokenness, you see the disappointments. Lord, you see the struggle with faith. And God, I pray that in this moment you would begin to surround them and strengthen them. You'd begin to awaken faith in their hearts. God, I pray that you would open the heavens above them. That you would reveal your goodness, your favor, and your grace. Lord, give us a faith that endures. A faith that brings life. Lord, we choose this day to believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen.